No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schapp. When I think of the holidays and the holiday spirit, what it means to give and to share, to celebrate both individually and collectively, I think of none other than Norman Chad. In a Santa suit, granting wishes, spreading cheer. The bad Santa of the world of sports and of wagering too. If Chris Kringle were a middle-aged curmudgeon with alimony payments to be made in perpetuity, he would look something very much like the one and only Norman Chad, our old friend who joins us now. Norman, it's uh, it's uh, the week of Thanksgiving. How are you celebrating? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you this Thanksgiving week for, for having the courage to still call me. Uh, you know, I often deride you to strangers you know, for your <laughs> nose in the air, Ivy League background, for your white privilege, your 1% mentality, uh-huh. for the stench, the absolute stench of old Eastern money, but you still have the guts and fortitude to call me. So I, I appreciate that. It's not guts or fortitude. I mean, it's just good content, you know, uh, good content trumps everything else. And, um, to me, you know, when we have you on, that's our a plus game. In fact, and, uh, you know, we've been talking about this, just kind of like throwing it around in the bullpen. You know, what if we had a show, just the two of us, a daily or even an hourly show? So I just wrote a letter uh, to Trog Keller, uh, an executive at ESPN who makes decisions about such things, proposing that we do uh, such a show. And uh, I described uh, the appeal of this show, or at least what I think would be the appeal of this show, is kind of a stream of consciousness unconnected to the world around us, featuring yours, uh, your, that is Norman Chad's uniquely jaundiced perspective. And I finished the note by saying, great idea, right. What kind of response do you think I'm going to get from uh, from the fourth floor where the executives hang out? I think that is not only probably an immediate tossing into the spiritual circular file, <laughs> but on certain bad weeks, that could be a career ender for you to even suggest it. You think so? You think I should have waited until I had had my first cup of coffee to send to send that note? It's probably a bad idea. Like the old thing that when you actually have a, an idea or a rant or you're really mad at somebody to, to like put that idea into the, the nightstand drawer, let it sit for 24 to 48 hours, take another look at it and see if you still want to hit send. You apparently have already hit send. I did, and you'd be you'd be better off if it, you sent it in a message in a bottle out to the Black Sea. But thank you once again. Uh, like I said, I appreciate the the fact that you you know that you even call me once once every blue moon. Uh, you know, my parents don't even call me anymore, uh, except on my birthday, like every third or fourth year. So yes, let's see what Trout says. Uh, good luck and God bless. We're speaking with Norman Chad. The couch slouch, the one and only, um, Norman. I, I gotta ask you because you're you're a DC guy. Although you haven't lived there since the Ford administration, you're still a DC guy in a way. And um, the Redskins continue to astound with their ineptitude. 
Uh, when you look across the general metropolitan area up like 45 minutes towards Baltimore and you see John Harbaugh, who was hanging on by the skin of his teeth to his job last year with Joe Flacco at quarterback, and now he's won, what have they won, seven games in a row. They drafted Lamar Jackson, albeit the last pick of the first round a couple years ago. Lamar Jackson right now doing things no one's ever done. And the Ravens, again, look like a team that could do anything, go as far as it wants to go. As a Redskins guy, uh, someone from D.C., how does it make you feel to see the Ravens in this position now? I have no opinion on the Ravens. Uh, They should be, first of all, the Baltimore Colts, as we know. So I have an opinion there, but we won't go there. So I, I, I am not a, I don't have anything pro or negative for the Ravens other than the fact that the Harbaugh's in general, you know, who's, who's, I believe their, their family motto is why not us? Uh, Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, their father taught that. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. Why, why not us? Apparently, again, it's some sort of weird, uh, genetic privilege you know why not us like you know we're who we are so yes we can cut the line john harbaugh spent 27 years as like an assistant before he got a head coaching job anywhere i don't think he cut the line we're just gonna have to agree to disagree about about the harbaugh's okay and again and the, the, the harbaugh's by the way the harbaugh's mentality and, and jim's now no longer in the nfl is that you know they they will they will challenge as far as the challenge rule goes you know, they will challenge a stoplight. They will they will challenge the U.S. Postal Service. They challenge everything, and they don't lose well. So I, I have no regard for the Ravens other than the fact that I generally root against John Harbaugh. But uh, the, the, the fact that you brought up, you know, this Redskins thing in which they've actually incredibly taken uh, a situation in which they literally had tens of thousands yep. of people on a season waiting, ticket waiting line, for decades uh, to, to get season tickets. Waiting for decades, you know, families waiting, you know, people literally generations coming and going without getting Redskins season tickets, and they've turned that into Radio Shack. Uh, you know, the doors Blockbuster. are open, and you can come in any time and buy some batteries, and there's no line. So it's amazing that the Redskins have gone oh from from essentially the only thing in Washington that counts to Radio Shack. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what do you do? I mean, I guess the problem I've talked about this before. You can't fire the owner. I mean, that's what it all comes down to, right? I mean, you think Roger Goodell just sits there on Park Avenue and says, "Well, nothing I can do about it." I mean, so I mean, that what else can you think about it? There's nothing actually. You, there's virtually no. A friend of mine asked me that, but can't can't the NFL pressure? Uh, the owner to, to, to that never, that's unprecedented. There's, it's, it's like every situation like Jerry Richardson was a few years ago, right. uh, because of, uh, other things, not just bad management of the team. No, much you worse. know, I, I think David Stern used to, to talk about, you know, he might have talked directly to the Knicks. You might know that's better than I do telling them, listen, you know, you guys are an embarrassment. You've got to be a better representative of the league, but they're not going to, they don't force anybody. In fact, as you know, the commissioner is actually employed by the owners. So, uh, uh, that's not going to happen. We're speaking to Norman Chad, the great couch slouch. I'm going to cut you off there, Norman, because there are other things I want to get to in our very limited time. Our producer, Dan Zakshevsky, has limited this segment to a solid 930, not a second over, not a second. Well, he wouldn't mind a second under, but not a second over. Um, you know, I mentioned the letter to Trog Keller about us doing a podcast about our doing a podcast, if I'm going to be grammatically correct. And, um, you know, I just sent it and I mentioned to you before we went on the air that I'd done that. And you said, you know, it's always better to 
think things over, to take your time, write something, don't hit send, um, let it stew for a little while, marinate in your brain. Uh, you know, isn't that the problem today that people don't have editors, that they don't um, take the time to really consider a position before putting it out there into the world where now it will last forever? We need editors. You know, I, 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 as you know, if I, if I were 10 or 15 years younger and of that persuasion, uh, you know, I would kiss you on the lips and marry you because that, that whole concept, I, I walk around all day thinking about that. The, the problem with the, the, especially the Twitter culture right now is that you have to uh, react to everything immediately. And this happens in, in media and this certainly happens in sports media. That all you do is, if you don't react immediately, you're not part of the game. You're not in the new mainstream. And that is a terrible way to think. There's a reason to step back for a moment and consider something before you open your mouth or before you write something. And that's because then you you think about it and you actually consider different sides of an argument instead of just immediately going out and going, bang, this is what I think, bang, this is what it is, bang, I've got to take. You know, what's, what's next? You know, that type of mentality is okay if you're sitting on a, in the old days, you're sitting on your front stoop with your neighbor, or if you're sitting in a local bar with your friend. But for the media to do that, and the sports media does that, and of course, talk radio, talk TV, everything does that, and of course, Twitter is the worst offender of that, is it just doesn't serve us really well. So I hate the fact that if you don't have an immediate opinion, then you're not even allowed to have an opinion, and they move on to something else. And the opinion that you put out there is something that you should have sat back, thought about for a few minutes, if not 24 to 48 hours before you hit the send button or before you go on the air and tell everybody, fill in the blank. And I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name names. By the way, is, uh, I don't want to go back to Dan, but is, is, do you all, uh, your producer, do you all hire based on, do you go to Radio Shack and get the second person in line if there's a second person in line? Is he a quota hire of some type? Is he a sympathy hire? But you brought up a great, great point that I am always thinking about, and people look at me like I'm you know, from, not Mars, but at least North Dakota. We're speaking with Norman Chad, and before we let him go and get ready for the holiday season, put on a Santa suit, we do want to um, mention that Norman, over the course of his storied career, has worked for some of the most legendary editors in the sports business, in the sports journalism business, guys like George Solomon and Vince Doria. Um, who, who was... Who was the best editor you worked for? The best editor I worked for, I never I stopped talking to me. Uh, but when I worked for the National Sports Daily briefly, because uh, it was only around for 16 months, my editor was David Granger, who then became a, eventually the, the somewhat, oh, somewhat legend, almost editor. legendary editor of, of uh, Esquire magazine for a very, very long run. 20 years, right? Great guy. Yeah, I think, I think so. Uh, I think he ran out of steaks to eat, and <laughs> they tossed him out. So he just had – he did something that I – I never saw somebody who was able to identify a problem that I knew existed when I wrote something. I tried to, to cover it up or just, just go by it and move on with the piece. And he would identify it, and he, he would tell me how to fix it. He also did another thing, which I don't think is a good idea, but it seemed to work for him. He would actually give me the headline of something like this is the headline, and that's what I want you to write. You know, I remember a long, long time ago. There's a guy named uh, that was uh, uh, there was going to be a new satellite sports service, and Robert Wassler, Bob Wassler, longtime CBS Sports uh, executive, was taking this over, and I forgot the name of the service, 
But he told me, Jeremy, listen, this is the piece. You know, Bob Wester is the new commissioner of sports. Now, fill in the blanks for me on that. <laughs> you know, I've, I've told you what the headline is. Now make the argument for me. And it usually what he, what he had to say, the headline was pretty good. Like, you know, write that column. And, you know, if I disagree with it, obviously I wouldn't write it. But he had that incredible knack of just, just coming up with a, an, a, you know, like a sort of a head of the curve thought, thought that no one else thought. And in 10 words or less, tell me what it is and say, please see if you can do that for me. So I gave him a lot of credit for being able to fix things that were broken and for just being able to think uh, so quickly about stuff like that. But then he stopped talking to me. I don't know why. You know, I, I had dinner. I sat next to him one night at dinner a few years ago. Um, <clears throat> and he said one of the wisest things um, I've heard anyone say in that kind of a situation. We were talking about work and, you know, work-life balance and this and that. And he said something that's kind of uh, counterintuitive. He said... You know, work is important. You know, the whole idea that, you know, we need to put more balance in our lives and, you know, there's some validity to that. But um, the whole idea on your deathbed, nobody says, well, well, I wish I had worked more. He said work is important. Work work provides for our families. Work, in a, to a large extent, defines who we are. It, 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 it defines the days of our lives, uh, the way they're mapped out. So the whole idea that, you know, we we should be embarrassed that we work hard or we take pride in our work and that work is important uh, is silly. And I never heard anyone kind of articulate it that way. But Granger just, uh, you know, a great uh, a great mind, a great editor. I'm sure he's going to appreciate this tribute. He's an avid listener of the sporting life, of course. Um, well, I wish your producer Dan Dan Zakshesky Lowenstein was also an avid listener of the Sporting Life because he might learn a thing or two. Also, it's a very good point. You know, he barely pays attention right now. He doesn't even he's recording this, but he's not listening. He's like filling out a crossword puzzle. That's a subject for another day, Norman. Thank you so much for having joined us. Yeah, you know, so it's always it's always a pleasure to take nine and a half minutes out of my day, a hard nine thirty. <laughs> And talk to y'all. And uh, the next time I speak to you, I assume you will have uh, new help uh, off the air. We should only be so lucky. I'm going to write another letter to Trog. Norman Chad, have a great holiday. Thank you very much. Have a good one. I'm Jeremy Schapp, and you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.